Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In the previous episode, Giselle just talked about her backstory. Along the way, she about how she developed her career in a non-linear fashion. This episode continued the part two conversation with Giselle and Giselle shared her observations on how organization prioritize digital transformation. Let's continue. Wow. Okay. And so let's say like one of the use case that you mentioned about retail because of COVID, there's a lot more restrictions and people need to use robotics or even apps to order things and get delivered to their home, like using a DoorDash or Uber Eats. And, and so in the course of doing this transformation, one new, you know, leaders or C-suite executives needs to take note when they do digital transformation. So yes, for sure, it looks this figuring out first what problem that you're trying to solve and then take a look at the resources available to you or do you need to create something internally to solve that problem? Is the problem that you want to create more experiences for your employees or more experiences for your clients that are virtual because you're trying to keep everything safe? When that's the problem, then figure out, okay, how do we do that and where do we start? Is it apart from just doing curbside pickup and online ordering? Okay, how else can we differentiate? Do we create experiences where now people can try out a product virtually? When they can contact a customer service person. And by the way, I saw a statistic the other day that said that last year, there was about 100 million customer service requests that were handled by chatbots alone. Wow. That were driven by AI. Yeah, 100 million. And it's a far stretch from even just a couple of years before that. But that's because people are getting more efficient. There's more, they understanding that questions, common questions that are asked, chatbots have developed and the AI behind it has become more conversational. So, you know, they don't feel like you're really interacting with a machine, you think you're interacting with someone and getting your questions answered because there's so much data that has been collected and observed and analyzed. And now those chatbots are smart. So organizations are thinking about how do we solve problems and make sure that we hone it on particular business cases. And then I think they're also getting smarter about, do we have to build this ourselves or are there startup companies or marketplaces that we can tap into that might be smaller than us? But maybe ahead of us in certain innovation. And so maybe we can lean on a small startup that develops a way to answer questions in a chatbot form that's going to take us way too long to develop ourselves. So maybe not that. My other phone's agility is the mindset. I remember I said about failing. Yeah. When you invest in innovation or when you go down that route, this stuff is so new and so accelerated that you could try something and fail. 
you have to have the mindset that's going to happen and always go back with an agile mindset, test it, try it. If it fails, go back, iterate, keep going. And finally, I would say to your question, Andrew, is just be inclusive. Whatever you do as an organization, you'll have to think, how is this impacting all of my customers? How is this impacting all of my employees? How is this impacting all of my stakeholders? Those people of different angels, different genders, different reasons, everything. What does this mean and how can I be inclusive? Coming back, you mentioned about chatbot and using artificial intelligence. So is chatbot the only one that is actually being widely used in digital transformation in the US or are there other aspects of artificial intelligence that's being used in digital transformation? No, not at all. That was just one example. I think here in the last where people, and not just here, but around the world, people are looking into this concept called Web3 or some people call it Web 3.0. So all of these things that have discussed, virtual reality, augmented reality has been on the rise and you know, mixed reality as well. It's just creating these new experiences where people are able to interact with a faucet. Remember, I told you during the pandemic, here's a quick example too. And this is the US has adopted this a lot. So the concept of digital twins is not new, but the concept of a digital twin that can be smart through AI is newer. And then you can start to use, let me paint the picture for you. Let's say I'm on my house. Okay. And I used, I'm now working from home, let's say, but I used to work in a manufacturing plant that used to create the engines for a jet plane. And now I'm no longer there, maybe because of offices decided to shut down or they decided to let the people go home for safety issues for COVID. So from home, I can put sensors in the, where that jet is, where that machinery is. I can put sensors on it, many nodes. And from home, I can have a software that will give me the digital replica of that physical jet part. And from home, with artificial intelligence sensing, when the machine fan has gone down, when something is malfunctioning, when it's overheating, when it's whatever it's doing, it'll send me that real-time notification. And from my computer at home on the software, I can deploy a mechanic to go work on that, or I can adjust something from my computer settings to make sure that I adjust the temperature from home remotely. I can affect the physical aspect without having to physically be present there. And I can see it in 3D and I can put on virtual reality glasses and manipulate that tool. I can use augmented reality to bring that to life into my face, for example. And I can start pivoting it and giving a 360 degree rotation from home right from my mobile device. So this is just to give you an example that these are experiences that are being used in real life, at work, people are tapping into technologies. And those are like four that I just gave you, but they are also using all kinds of other technologies. When those holograms, projections, people are giving conferences in virtual meetings without ever having to be in person. And they're doing that, projecting in these ways. And then since robotics is on the rise as well in airports in the United States, you can get something delivered from a restaurant to your gates by a robot so you don't sit there around on the oh and that's something new because the digital twins i think it happens back in 15 years ago so i was thinking what is the difference unless yeah like you said the only difference of this add-on is using artificial touches where you can 
deeply interact with the engines right from your home. Exactly. But then isn't that the concept very similar to drones or remote cars? Where we been, those days when we were kids, I don't maybe when I'm a kid, I, I play with a remote car, except that it's <laughs> more bandwidth transmission. I was thinking along the line of, because we, you are a future of work, and I was always been talking to some of my friends who are futurists of future of work, and how does mm-hmm. the meta world or Web 3.0 would affect the last year? I've been reading a lot of reports, including ADP, they were talking about as a result of a COVID-19 or pandemic, we're living in a third year. More and more people are actually working longer hours despite saving time on commute. And, and the reason is that before COVID, people are in their office and you can have small talks, you can run away, go to the desk next door, talking to your colleagues about, hey, how do I troubleshoot this thing? Or what does this mean? But ever since now, everybody is like all on our own room, on our own space back at home. We have to use Zoom. We have to use Google Hangouts, Slack. And we have to communicate even more to understand the nuances of our work. And also emotions are being high. You can't see facial features until you really meet somebody face-to-face or until somebody switch on the camera. So I thought that in the metaverse world, where you have all these animated characters where Microsoft bought of a blizzard. Now, let's say today I'm very angry. You can see suddenly my the right. image and the conference are becoming dinosaurs because I'm very angry or somebody is very sad. <laughs> Becoming like a small little chicken. So it's like the amplification of our emotions on display that enable that richness of being more empathy. What are your thoughts on that? That's good. I want to touch on something you just said a second ago. So you are absolutely right. Now, even though there are technologies that existed before, and so what's new? What's new is that we're finding new ways to reinvent those and add on to them. So before, again, just I'm going to get artificial intelligence is being used there. Data analytics is used there. Virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. Those are not new concepts. But merging them all together is this new concept called the metaverse. I have to like, <laughs> like that because it's so an obvious like word. But it's just building on top of things. Yes, digital toys are not new. But being able to take what existed there and compound its effects with real-time analytics. Because of those analytics, and maybe even the use of quantum computing soon, where we're doing more computational analysis, and so AI can do even more. And then also that, and imagine what you can do. And then add on to that, then someone has a virtual reality experience, an augmented reality experience, and now you're experiencing all of these things that were in new ways. And the same as in the metaverse. You're right. I think people feel like they're flooded in and the thing is, like, when do you pull it out? We have apps on our phone that can tell us how long we've been using screen time, but with work, people's little green dots on their systems that they're available because they're stuck to their computer. Maybe they'll go and cook something. Maybe they'll go clone. Maybe they'll step away from their computer and go pick up their child in school, but they're always on. And maybe they're picking their own hours at home while they're working, but they're always on. And I thought what's important for is just humans to learn when to unplug. With the metaverse, people start learning how to network there, how to play, how to have more experiences there and even work in there. I wonder almost, after to your point, how much more will people be even more plugged in because those experiences tend to suck people in a little bit. So I wonder if there's going to be even worse of an issue there where people need to learn when to basically unplug. Like the long line of this conversation. So let's talk about the plug and unplug because yes. 
you are right on the fact that ever since everybody works from home, we are more required to communicate even more. And therefore, all, all these digital mediums or tools are there for, to communicate. And there was this research by LinkedIn and Microsoft team that came together. And they realized that before COVID-19, typically anywhere in the world, in the US, Singapore, New York, Australia, in lunchtime, which is between 12 noon to 2 p.m. before COVID-19, the amount of emails and communication sent is a dip. Let's say at 11 a.m. is probably a thousand emails for a company. And then it goes down to 200. And then it goes back up to a thousand again after two. But after COVID-19, the research states that the email drop has actually extended from, let's say, the day you start paying on, I'm on at Microsoft Teams or Slack at 8 a.m. to all the way 6 p.m. Like it's almost like instantly 1,000 emails or 1,000 ping messages every wow. hour. Can you imagine like that amount of going to the brain, like what Elon Musk was saying, the neural link, amount of yeah. bandwidth that hits your head. Wouldn't you feel met, like mental fatigue that explains the burnout of the great resignation trend? Andrew, there's been studies showing people are taking on more jobs and more roles and even side bustles while they're working from home. So some people have added another job to themselves while they're working from home at the same time. I don't know. I looked a lot of I think people notice. I think what matters to people, their values really changed during the pandemic. I think people started to notice, wait a minute, I can do more with my time during the day. If I'm not in an office and I'm not having water cooler conversations or I'm not having to attend many meetings and break up my band and those and that, if I don't have to commute into the office and then back home and get ready in the morning to end face things, a lot of people who work like that now starting to find that they probably could manage their time better and they had more work-life balance. So I feel like I put both sides of the story where people need to, yes, learn how to unplug, but I'm wondering if part of the other side of the research is they are plugging throughout the day. They're managing their hours then. And so maybe it looks like they're on all the time, but people are not working maybe that whole amount of the time. Maybe the, that influx of emails that you see is because during that time, people chose to really book for it, right? And so the emails, different things at a certain peak of time. And then they may be stepping away from their or doing photos at the same time and multitasking to get things done around their house, pay attention to their kids and help them with their homework or whatever has been happening at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. I, I totally agree with you on the other side of the fence where there are people that really benefit a lot from without having to commute to work. And like you said, while they are meeting, they are paper babysitting their children or caregiving to a grandmother. So I had a grandmother that has cancer and I had a very elderly parent. So I prefer to work from home because I saved two hours drive to an airport when I was an airline on the back. And that amount of, it's almost like a day of four hours. And imagine you do it compound on 200 days. That's almost three months of my life per month. When you put it like this, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. And also like sometimes because the other side of, like you say, I enjoy remote work because of the fact that if there are some leaders or managers like to do endless small talks without objective agenda, I just switch off my uh, camp. Sorry, for those who are there really. It's not that I don't want to. Sometimes it doesn't work my camp crowder. But most of the time it's like, if the guy doesn't show respect to everybody's time, I got to find something else to do. Maybe do right. something. Okay. I would say for everyone listening, no matter what your culture is, no matter where you live in the world and you're listening to this, 
be curious about other people. And when you do that, you expose yourself to other people, the way of life, the way that they think, the way they approach things. I know that we are ma- almost married to the way that we are upbringing our worldview, our countries, but the world is global and there's so much more out there. So I would just say everything that you do, put an inclusion lens on, put some glasses on of inclusion and think about people that approach the world different from you. And once you can do that, I think that we can have a better future warfare. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We have come to the end of part two with Giselle. In the next episode, we will continue with Giselle on part three, which she talked about how companies use data analytics to understand relational dynamics and create virtual experiences to help people on board and become more connected. On top of that, both shared possible reasons why people don't want to collaborate and Giselle share her views on having a multidisciplinary approach to design and technology in the future of work for people like caregivers, single women, and people of different. Finally, both discuss generalized observations on working cultures around the world. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon.